Reciting the Tashahud, Ta'uz, and Surah Al-Fatiha, Hazrat Khalif al-Masih V, Ayyadullah Ta'ala bin Aziz stated, The first of the Badri Sahaba that I will mention today is Hazrat Abdullah bin Arabi al-Ansari. Hazrat Abdullah bin Arabi belonged to the Banu Abjir clan of the Khazraj tribe. His mother's name was Fatma bint Amr. He participated in the second bet that took place at Akbar. He also had the honor of participating in the battles of Badr, Uhud and Nota. He attained martyrdom during the battle of Nota. The second companion is Hazrat Atiyah bin Nawada, radiallahu anhu. He participated in the battle of Badr and this is the only information that is available regarding him. Then there is Hazrat Sahal bin Qais. His mother's name was Naila bint Salama. He was the cousin of the famous poet Hazrat Qab bin Malik from his father's side. Sahal participated in the battles of Badr and Uhud and was martyred during the battle of Uhud. Each year the Holy Prophet ﷺ used to visit the graves of those martyred during the Battle of Uhud. When he used to enter the valley, he would loudly say, As-salamu alaykum bima sabartum fa ni'ma uqbuddar. The verse in Surah Al-Ra'ad begins with Salamu alaykum instead of As-salamu alaykum. It means... Peace be unto you, because you were steadfast. Assalamu alaikum bima sabartum, fa ni'ma uqbuddar. 
Behold, how excellent is the reward of the final abode. Hazrat Abu Bakr, Hazrat Umar and Hazrat Usman continued this practice after the Holy Prophet Then whenever Hazrat Muawiyah used to come for Hajj or Umrah, he also used to visit the graves of those martyred during the Battle of Uhud. The Holy Prophet used to say, Laita anni wudirtu ma'a ashab al-jabal i.e. how I wish I were with the people of the mount. In other words, he wished that he had also attained martyrdom on that day. Likewise, whenever Hazrat Saad bin Abi Waqas used to go to his estates in Ghaba, a village located to the northwest of Medina, he would also visit the graves of those martyred during the Battle of Uhud. He used to convey to them the greetings of peace, i.e. salam, three times. Then he used to turn to his companions and say, would you not convey salam to those who reply to your salam? Whoever conveys salam to them, they will reply to his salam on the day of judgment. Once the Holy Prophet passed by the grave of Hazrat Musa bin Umair, he stopped by it, prayed there, and recited the following verse. من المؤمنين رجال صدقوا ما أحد الله عليه فمنهم من قضى نحبه ومنهم من ينتظر وما بدلوا تبديلا أي among the believers are men who have been true to the covenant they made with Allah مِنَ الْمُؤْمِنِينَ رِجَالٌ صَدَقُوا مَا أَحَدُ اللَّهَ عَلَيْهِ There are some of them who have fulfilled their vow and some who still wait and they have not changed their condition in the least. He then said I bear witness that they will be considered martyrs by Allah on the Day of Judgment. You should visit them and send your greetings of peace to them. I swear by the being who has possession over my life that whoever sends their greetings of peace to them will receive an answer from them on the Day of Judgment. The companions of the Holy Prophet used to come here, pray for them and send their salutations of peace. The sisters of Hazrat Sahal bin Qais, Hazrat Sukhta and Hazrat Umrah also believed in the Holy Prophet and were blessed to pledge allegiance to him. The next companion is Hazrat Abdullah bin Humayr al-Ashja'i. He belonged to the Banu Duhman who had a treaty with the Ansar. He participated in the Battle of Badr alongside his brother Hazrat Kharja. He also participated in the Battle of Uhud. The name of his wife is Hazrat Umm Sabit bin Hartha, and she also accepted the Holy Prophet. Hazrat Abdullah bin Humayr was among the few companions 
who firmly remained standing on the mount alongside Hazrat Abdullah bin Jubair on the occasion of the Battle of Uhud. When the other companions witnessed the scenes of victory and started to descend from the hill in order to join the rest of the army, Hazrat Abdullah bin Humayr stood up in order to advise them. He first praised Allah the Exalted and then advised them to obey Allah and the Holy Prophet However, they did not listen to him and descended in such a large number that not more than ten companions remained on the hill alongside Hazrat Abdullah bin Jubair. Meanwhile, Khalid bin Walid and Ikrimah bin Abi Jahl saw the hill empty and attacked the remaining companions. This small group fired arrows at them until eventually they reached them and martyred all of them in an instant. Hazrat Mirza Bashir Ahmed Sahib has written about this incident of Uhud in further detail in Sirat Khatam al Nabiyin. He writes, The Holy Prophet placed his trust in God and marched forward and set up the tents in the valley of Uhud. He did so in a manner that the hill of Uhud was behind the Muslims and Medina was in front of them. In this manner, he protected the rear side of his army. The hill contained a pass where from an attack was possible. In order to protect it, the Holy Prophet ﷺ made arrangements of appointing 50 companions to stay there under the leadership of Abdullah bin Jubair. Furthermore, he emphasized that no matter what happens, they should not leave it and continue to fire arrows at the enemy. The Holy Prophet ﷺ was so concerned about the protection of this pass that he repeatedly emphasized to Abdullah bin Jubair to not leave this pass unattended at any moment. So much so, that even if you see that we have become victorious and the enemy has retreated and fled, you should still not leave this area. Even if you see that the Muslims have been defeated and that the enemy has triumphed over us, you should still not move from this place. In one narration, even the following words can be found that even if you see birds picking our flesh, you should not move from the, this place until you are commanded to do so. In other words, until the Holy Prophet ﷺ commands to do so. Similarly, after completely strengthening the rear side of the army, he formed the Islamic army in rows and appointed leaders for different sections. When the companions of Abdullah bin Jubair saw that they had become victorious, they said to their leader Abdullah that we may have become victorious now and the Muslims are gathering the spoils of war. Permit us to join the army. Abdullah stopped them and reminded them of the emphatic guidance of the Holy Prophet However, they were becoming neglectful in joy of the victory and as a result, they did not stop and descended, saying that the Holy Prophet only meant that the pass should not be left unattended unless you are completely reassured. However, as we have become victorious now, there is no harm in leaving. No one remained for the protection of the valley apart from Abdullah bin Jubair and five or seven of his companions. The sharp eye of Khalid bin Walid glanced at the pass from a distance and saw it was empty. Upon this, he swiftly gathered his horsemen and immediately turned towards the pass. 
Ikrimah bin Abi Jahl also followed him and quickly rushed a group of soldiers there. These two groups martyred Abdullah bin Jubair and his few companions in an instant and suddenly attacked from the rear of the Muslim army. The next mention is that of Hazrat Ubaid bin Aws Ansari, son of Aws bin Malik. Hazrat Ubaid bin Aws participated in the Battle of Badr. He captured Hazrat Aqil bin Abi Talib during the Battle of Badr. Similarly, it is said that he also captured Hazrat Abbas and Hazrat Nawfal. When he presented himself before the Holy Prophet with all three of them tied up in ropes, the Holy Prophet said, لَقَدْ أَعَانَكَ عَلَيْهِمْ مَلَكٌ كَرِيمٌ That is, surely an honourable angel has assisted you in this matter. On this very premise, the Holy Prophet gave him the title of Muqarrin, i.e. the one who shackles others. In another narration, it is mentioned that the one to capture Hazrat Abbas during the Battle of Badr was Hazrat Abul Yasser Qab bin Amr. Hazrat Ubaid bin Aws married Hazrat Umayma bin An-Numan. Hazrat Umayma also accepted the Holy Prophet and received the blessings of pledging initiation to him. Now I will mention about Hazrat Abdullah bin Jubair, who was previously mentioned in relation to another companion. who was the leader of his group and deputy of Abdullah bin Jubair. He was among the 70 Ansar, i.e. the Muslims living in Medina, who participated in the second pledge of initiation at Aqba. He participated in the battles of Badr and Uhud and was martyred during the battle of Uhud. Hazrat Abul As, who was the husband of Hazrat Zainab, the daughter of the Holy Prophet participated in the Battle of Badr with the idolaters, and Hazrat Abdullah bin Jubair imprisoned him. Mentioning the details of this, Hazrat Mirza Bashir Ahmed Sahib has written in Sirat Khatam al-Nabiyyin that the son-in-law of the Holy Prophet Abul As, was also among the prisoners of Badr. His wife Zainab, i.e. the daughter of the Holy Prophet who was still in Mecca, sent some items as his ransom. Among them was her necklace. This was the necklace that Hazrat Khadija gave to her daughter Zainab as her dowry. When the Holy Prophet saw the necklace, it refreshed the memories of the late Khadija in his heart. With tears flowing from his eyes, he said to his companions that if you wish, you may return Zainab's belongings to her. The companions only needed an indication and immediately returned Zainab's belongings. Instead of taking a ransom in the form of money and commodities, he made a deal with Abul As to go to Makkah and send Zainab to Medina. In this manner, a believing soul was freed from the abode of disbelief. A short while later, Abul As also became Muslim and migrated to Medina and in this manner, the husband and wife reunited.
During the Battle of Uhud, the Holy Prophet appointed Hazrat Abdullah bin Jubair as the chief of the 50 archers who were appointed to protect the pass located behind the Muslims. The details have already been mentioned in the incident of Abdullah bin Humayr. Some additional details written by Hazrat Mirza Bashir Ahmed Sahib are as follows. Putting his trust in God, the Holy Prophet ﷺ marched forward and set up camp on the plain at the foot of the Mount of Uhud in such a manner that the mountain range fell behind the Muslims and Medina was positioned in front of them, as it were. In this manner, the Holy Prophet ﷺ managed to secure the rear side of the army. Thus, the plan which was devised by the Holy Prophet ﷺ was to position 50 archers from among his companions at this location under the command of Abdullah bin Jubair and emphatically instructed them not to leave this place under any circumstances and that they should continue to shower the enemy with arrows. As mentioned earlier, the Holy Prophet was so greatly concerned for the security of this mountain pass that he repeatedly instructed Abdullah bin Jubair saying, Look here, this mountain pass should not be left empty under any circumstances. Even if you see that we have become victorious and the enemy has fled in defeat, do not leave this place. And if you see that the Muslims have been defeated and the enemy has prevailed upon us, do not move from this place. Hazrat Bara bin Azib relates that during one of the days of the Battle of Uhud, the Holy Prophet appointed Hazrat Abdullah bin Jubair to command over 50 foot soldiers. He told them emphatically, Even if you see that vultures are tearing away at our remains, do not move from this place until you receive orders to leave. Even if you see us defeating the enemy and they begin fleeing, you must not leave this post until I command you to do so. Thus the Muslims were defeating the enemy and driving them away. Hazrat Bara states, By God, I witnessed the disbelieving women holding up their clothes whilst fleeing. In that period of time, women would also accompany the men in battle to motivate them, to the extent that their anklets and calves were laid bare. Whilst witnessing this, the companions of Hazrat Abdullah bin Jubair said, Let us go and collect the spoils of war. Our comrades have been victorious. So what are you waiting for? Hazrat Abdullah bin Jubair then said, Have you forgotten the instructions given to us by the Holy Prophet ﷺ? Those who wished to leave their positions replied, By God, we too will go to our companions and partake of the spoils of war. They were taking the loot, so we shall take whatever else remains. When they reached there, they were made to turn back, and they came back as they tasted defeat. That is to say that the enemy launched an attack once again, and what looked to be a victory turned into the opposite. This is the incident Hazrat Barah relates, regarding which God Almighty stated, When the messenger was calling out to you from your rear. This is a verse of Surah Ali Imran. Only twelve companions alongside the Holy Prophet ﷺ remained and the disbelievers had martyred seventy of our men. 
During the battle of Badr, the Holy Prophet ﷺ and his companions had taken 140 of the disbelieving men. 70 were captured and 70 were killed. Abu Sufyan exclaimed thrice, The incident of Uhud is being narrated. Is Muhammad still alive among them? The Holy Prophet ﷺ did not permit the companions to reply to this. When he, i.e. Abu Sufyan, saw the defeat of the disbelievers had turned into victory and that they had subdued the Muslims after relaunching an attack, this was when he said, Is Muhammad still alive among them? The Holy Prophet ﷺ restrained the companions from responding. He then asked three times, Is the son of Abu Kahafa, i.e. Hazrat Abu Bakr, alive among them? He then asked three times, Is Ibn Khattab, i.e. Hazrat Umar, alive among them? Thereafter he returned to his confederates. The Holy Prophet ﷺ prohibited them from answering on all three occasions. When Abu Sufyan had returned to his cohorts, he said these three leaders have been killed. When Hazrat Umar heard this, he was unable to control himself and proclaimed, O enemies of God, by God you have lied. Those who you have named are all alive. Much still remains of that which is unpleasant to you. Abu Sufyan responded by saying, This battle serves as revenge for the battle of Badr, and war is like a pendulum. Sometimes victory is yours and sometimes it is ours. You will find among the dead some who have had their noses cut off, i.e. they were mutilated. He then said, I neither ordered for this to happen, nor do I deem it to be wrong. Abu Sufyan proceeded enthusiastically to recite the words, Olo Hubul, Olo Hubul, i.e. Long live Hubul, Long live Hubul. The Holy Prophet ﷺ said, Will you not reply to this? The companions asked, O Messenger of Allah, how shall we reply? The Holy Prophet ﷺ answered, Say, Allahu A'la wa Ajal. That is to say, Allah is the highest and the most glorious. Abu Sufyan then said, Our God Uzza is with us, and you have no Uzza. In hearing this, the Holy Prophet ﷺ said, Will you not respond to this? Hazrat Bara bin Azib states that the companions asked, O Messenger of Allah, how shall we respond? He then stated, Allahu Mawlana wa la Mawla lakum. That is, Allah is our helper, and you have no helper. Hazrat Muslimah has also written in regards to this incident in great detail and shed light upon the Battle of Uhud. He states, The companions who were beside the Holy Prophet had been pushed back by the crowd of the disbelievers, but then gathered around him when they saw the enemy retreat. They picked up the blessed body of the Holy Prophet and one companion named Ubaidah bin al-Jarrah used his teeth to firmly remove the nail which had been dislodged in the head of the Holy Prophet and broke some of his teeth in the process. A little while later the Holy Prophet regained consciousness and the companions drew away the enemy from all sides for the Muslims to gather once more. They dashed forward and began forming an army once again. The Holy Prophet ﷺ took them to the foot of the mountain. When the remainder of the army reached the foot of the mountain, Abu Sufyan cried out, We have killed Muhammad. The Holy Prophet ﷺ did not respond to what Abu Sufyan said, 
lest the army become aware of the truth and launch a fresh attack. Furthermore, the Muslims had found themselves in a vulnerable state and were badly wounded, so they did not wish to be prey to onslaught. When no response was heard from the Muslim army, Abu Sufyan was assured of his assumption and shouted out, We have also killed Abu Bakr. The Holy Prophet ﷺ instructed Hazrat Abu Bakr also not to respond. Abu Sufyan then proclaimed, We have also killed Umar. The passionate person that he was, Hazrat Umar wanted to respond by saying, They were all alive by the grace of God and ready to fight them once more. But the Holy Prophet ﷺ prohibited him from saying so, telling him to remain silent and not to land the Muslims in further trouble. The disbelievers in the meantime were confident that they had killed the founder of Islam and his right-hand men. And so Abu Sufyan and his cohorts raised a slogan with great joy, Ya Ulul Hubul, Ya Ulul Hubul. I praise be to our honored God Hubul for having annihilated Islam. As a Muslim anhu writes, This is when the Holy Prophet ﷺ, who having listened to the proclamations that he, Abu Bakr and Umar were killed, instructed everyone to remain silent lest the enemy return to attack the handful of wounded Muslims and all of them become martyred. But now that it had become a question of the honor of God Almighty, and a polytheistic slogan was being raised in the battlefield, the Holy Prophet ﷺ could no longer sit at ease. He turned to the companions and said to them with great passion, Why do you not answer them? The companions asked, O Messenger of Allah, what shall we say? The Holy Prophet ﷺ told them to say, Allahu A'la wa Ajal. You utter a lie when you say Hubal is exalted. God, who is one and has no partner, is honored and is far superior. This is how he informed the enemy that he was still alive. As a Muslim all further writes, This courageous and spirited answer had such a profound effect on the opposing army that despite all their hopes being dashed with this answer and despite the fact that they were only a handful of wounded Muslims standing before them, whom they could have quite easily dealt with in the material terms, they could not muster up the courage to attack them once more. Instead, having heard this slogan, they returned to Makkah pleased with all the success they had achieved. Whilst explaining a verse of the Holy Quran, Hazrat Muslim further writes, فَلْيَحْذَرِ الَّذِينَ يُخَالِفُونَ عَنْ عَمْرِهِ أَنْ تُصِيبَهُمْ فِتْنَةٌ أَوْ يُصِيبَهُمْ عَذَابٌ أَلِيمٌ Meaning, so let those who go against his command beware lest a trial afflict them or a grievous punishment overtake them. Hazrat Muslim says, Observe how much loss the Islamic army had to suffer due to the violation of this commandment. The Holy Prophet ﷺ had appointed 50 soldiers for the security of a mountain pass. The mountain pass was so crucial that the Holy Prophet ﷺ called for the leading officer, Abdullah bin Jubair, and instructed him, Whether we die or we are victorious, you should not abandon this mountain pass. However, when the disbelievers were defeated and the Muslims began to chase them away, the soldiers on duty at the mountain pass said to their leader, 
we have become victorious now, and it seems pointless to remain here. Please grant us permission to partake of the jihad and attain the blessings. Their leader advised them against this and stated, Look, do not disobey the orders of the Holy Prophet The Holy Prophet had instructed us not to abandon this mountain pass, whether the Muslim army is triumphant or is defeated. Hence, I cannot grant you permission to leave. They responded, The Holy Prophet did not mean that we should not move from this location even at the time of victory. His intention was to advise us. What purpose are we serving by staying here now that we have become victorious? As a Muslim further says, They gave precedence to their own judgment over the commandment of the Messenger of God and abandoned the mountain pass. Only their leader, namely Abdullah bin Jubair, and a few others stayed. When the army of the disbelievers were retreating, Khalid bin Walid turned around and observed that the mountain pass was unoccupied. He called upon Amr bin Alas. Both of them had not yet accepted Islam. Khalid bin Walid said to him, Look, what an excellent opportunity lies before us. Let us turn back around and attack the Muslims. Hence, both these generals rearranged their troops who were fleeing the battlefield and climbed the mountain and severed the hands of the Muslim army. The few Muslims that were present there could not withstand this attack and were killed. The enemy attacked the Muslim army from the rear. This attack by the disbelievers was so unexpected that the Muslims, who had dispersed while celebrating victory, could not hold their ground. Only a few companions, twenty at most, were able to gather around the Holy Prophet How long could these few men contend with the enemy? Eventually, the Muslim soldiers were pushed back due to the large number of the disbelievers and the Holy Prophet was left alone in the battlefield. It was at this time that a stone hit his helmet, causing the nails to pierce his head, rendering him unconscious, and fell in a ditch. As it has been mentioned already that a companion took the nail out of his head and lost his teeth in the process as well. The ditch had been dug by certain mischievous individuals who had covered it up in order to cause harm to the Muslim army. They dug out a ditch and covered it with grass and sword, and so no one could tell there was a ditch and the Holy Prophet ﷺ fell inside it. Thereafter a few more companions were martyred and their bodies fell on top of the blessed body of the Holy Prophet ﷺ. As a result, news spread amongst the people that the Holy Prophet ﷺ was martyred. However, the companions who were pushed back due to the heavy onslaught of the Kuffar immediately came around the Holy Prophet ﷺ when the Kuffar moved back. They took the Holy Prophet ﷺ out of the ditch and after a short while the Holy Prophet regained consciousness and ordered for soldiers to run around the outskirts of the battlefield in order to regroup the Muslims. The Holy Prophet ﷺ then led them into a valley of a mountain. The reason why the Muslim army had to endure a momentary loss after victory was because a few individuals as a Muslim draws the following conclusion from this incident and this is something that one should pay close heed to. As a Muslim states, The reason why the Muslim army had to endure a momentary loss after the victory was because a few individuals disobeyed a commandment of the Holy Prophet 
and took their own initiative instead of adhering to the Holy Prophet ﷺ's instruction. However, if they followed the Holy Prophet ﷺ, just like the pulse follows the heart, if they believed that a single commandment of the Holy Prophet ﷺ was more important than even if the entire world was to sacrifice their lives, and if they had not used their own initiative and thereby had not left the mount regarding which the Holy Prophet ﷺ had instructed them to not leave, irrespective of whether they were in a state of victory or defeat, then the enemy would not have had the opportunity to attack again, and nor the Holy Prophet ﷺ and his companions would have suffered any loss. As a Muslim all further states, In this verse, God Almighty has drawn the attention of the Muslims towards the important principle that those who do not fully adhere to the commandment of the Holy Prophet ﷺ and instead give preference to their own judgment and opinions or begin to interpret in their own way should fear lest a calamity or a severe punishment befalls upon them as a result. In other words, it states that if one seeks to attain any success, they then ought to stand and sit on the commandment of a single instruction. Until this spirit remains, the Muslims will remain intact. But the day the spirit ceases to exist, Islam will however remain, but God Almighty's hand will strangle them. i.e. those who show disobedience to the Holy Prophet ﷺ. Today, this is precisely the case of the Muslims. God Almighty's succor is no longer with them. They have begun to offer all kinds of interpretations to the instruction of the Holy Prophet ﷺ, which was to accept the promised Messiah and Mahdi and convey his salam to him and hold him as a judge and arbiter. As a result, the consequences are evident. Here, there is also a lesson and warning for the Ahmadis that after accepting the promised Messiah salam, it is only through complete obedience that one can attain any kind of success or victory. Thus, each and every person should assess their conditions in regards to the standards of their obedience. In the first account, it was mentioned that Ikram bin Abi Jahl was alongside Abu Sufyan. However, in the account related by Hazrat Muslimad, it was Amr bin Alas who launched an attack on the mount. There are also other names mentioned in various other narrations. In this regard, the research cell has further researched into this, and in the various books of history, the name of Ikrama has been mentioned, who was alongside Khalid bin Walid. However, there are also references which mention that the Mushrikeen, i.e. the idolaters, assigned their cavalry from among their army under the leadership of certain individuals, out of which 
one was Amr bin al-As. Thus, in reference to this, it states that upon observing the mount to be unmanned, Khalid bin Walid launched an attack, and Ikrimah bin Abi Jahl followed behind him. Thus, if all three accounts are assessed together, then one way of eliminating any contradiction between them is that since Hazrat Amr bin al-As was the one leading the cavalry, therefore he too was with them, and so Abu Sufyan, Ikrimah and Abu al-As were all together. In this way, there is no contradiction among the narrations. The account of Hazrat Abdullah bin Jubair's martyrdom is as follows. When Khalid bin Walid and Ikrimah bin Abi Jahl came forward to launch an attack, Hazrat Abdullah bin Jubair fired arrows to the point that all his arrows finished. He then fought with a spear until a spear broke. Thereafter he began fighting with his sword until he was martyred and fell. He was martyred by Ikrimah bin Abi Jahl. When he fell, the enemies dragged his body and despicably mutilated his body. They pierced his body so many times with their spears that his intestines fell out. Hazrat Khawad bin Jubair states, When Hazrat Abdullah bin Jubair was left in this state, the Muslim then returned, and I was also with them. I laughed at a place where no other person laughed, and I fell asleep at a place where no one else had slept, and I acted with miserliness at the place where no one else shows miserliness. The state that I was in, one cannot do all three. He was then asked as to why he did this, and Hazrat Khawad replied, I held both arms and Abu Hina held both feet and we lifted Hazrat Abdullah. I then tied his wound with the cloth of my turban and at the time of lifting him, the idolaters were on one side. The cloth of my turban loosened and fell to the ground and Hazrat Abdullah bin Jubair's intestines came out. My companion began anxious and at the enemy being so close and began looking over his shoulder. Upon this I began to laugh at what he was doing in such a moment. Then one of them advanced towards us and held his spear near my throat, and suddenly I was overcome with sleep and the spear drew away. This was also a help from God Almighty. God Almighty caused him to become overcome with sudden sleep. In such a state I could not do anything as the spear was right next to my throat, but as a result of this the spear was moved away. Then, when we were about to dig a grave of Hazrat Abdullah bin Jubair, I only had my bow, and the ground had become very firm. So we came down from the mount with his body to a valley, and I dug the grave with the corner of my bow. The string was also attached to the bow, and I said to myself that I would not let my string get damaged. So I loosened the string and took it off, and then dug the grave with the corner of the bow, and buried Hazrat Abdullah bin Jubair. Just as Abdullah bin Jubair and his companions demonstrated complete devotion and were able to understand the true spirit of the commandments given to them, may we also understand this and demonstrate complete obedience. And may we continue to become the recipients of God Almighty's grace. After the prayers, I shall lead a funeral prayer in absentia
for Nadir Al-Husni Sahib from Canada. He passed away on 20th of December at the age of 85. The deceased was a very righteous, devoted and noble individual. His financial sacrifices were also of a very high standard and he was a Musi. He is survived by his wife and son, both of whom are not Ahmadi. He was the son of Abdul Rauf al-Husni Sahib, who performed the bayt in 1938, after his brother, respected Munir al-Husni Sahib, did the bayt. Abdul Rauf Sahib was also a very pious and righteous person, who spoke very little. When Hazrat Muslim anhu travelled to Syria, he also visited Abdul Rauf Sahib's house for dinner one evening. Nadir al-Husni Sahib also possessed many of his father's qualities and he also demonstrated a lofty example in his devotion and loyalty. Amir Sahib, i.e. National President of Canada, writes, After the inauguration of the Bayt al-Islam Mosque, he would travel four hours every week to attend the Friday sermon and would then drive back to his home in Sudbury the same day. Many a times we would ask him to take some rest and travel the next day, but in his own style he would offer some reason and return, so that the Jamaat was not inconvenienced in any way due to him. He continued this practice right up until his last illness. He was also the Muazzin for the Friday prayers for many years at Bayt al-Islam Mosque. He had a very unique way of calling the Azan and was filled with so much passion that it would captivate the listeners. The deceased wife, Sumayya Sahiba, who is a non-Ahmadi, has written, May God Almighty grant Nadir al-Husni Sahib an abode in heaven. He was a very thankful, honest, trustworthy and devoted individual for his family and the Jamaat. He would strive to always help anyone who was in need and would treat them with great compassion. Without letting anyone know, he helped a poor non-Ahmadi woman as much as he could. Whenever we would go to visit her, Nadir Sahib would first go to the market and purchase various essential items and then go to her house and he continued this right until his demise. She further states, I have never seen anyone show so much patience while suffering from an illness and the words Alhamdulillah, i.e. all praise is due to Allah, could always be heard being recited from his lips. His heart would be filled with the fear of God Almighty whilst imploring him for help. He would regularly offer his five daily prayers and tahajjud and everyone who knew him was aware of his piety. Mu'tazil Qazak Sahib writes, During my stay in Syria, I heard about Nadir al-Husni Sahib. The Husni family is known for their loyalty and strong attachment towards Khilafat. After arriving in Canada, I met Nadir al-Husni Sahib at the mosque. He was a very pious-natured individual who was always cheerful. Having spoken to him, I was greatly impressed by his love for Khilafat and his desire to meet with friends in the mosque. He writes, His regularity in prayers was an example for all of us. He further writes, After his demise, his wife and son came to Toronto. I had the opportunity to help them under the Jamaat organization and help towards the funeral and burial. 
His wife told me that there were three mosques in their local area. All of them asked her about the funeral arrangements for the deceased. She replied, and she is a non-Ahmadi, that the funeral proceedings will take place in the mosque where he offered his prayers. Kazakh Sahib further states, When his coffin was being lowered into the grave, I thought of an incident in relation to my uncle, Al-Hajj Sami Kazakh Sahib, which brought tears to my eyes. During his terminal illness, I remained close to him until his demise. One day I saw him crying, and he said to me, Inform my master, Hazrat Amirul Mu'mineen, Ayyadhullah, that I love him dearly and that I will remain loyal to Khilafat until my last breath. I believe he passed away during the Khilafat of Hazrat Khalif al-Masih Nevertheless, in whichever time he it was, these were his words. Kazakh Sahib writes, My thoughts about Nadir Sahib are the same. He also had a very sincere relationship with Khilafat. It is regarding these people whom God Almighty says, مِنَ الْمُؤْمِنِينَ رِجَالٌ صَدَقُوا مَا أَحَدُ اللَّهَ عَلَيْهِ فَمِنْهُمْ مَنْ قَدَى نَحْبَهُ فَمِنْهُمْ مَنْ قَدَى نَحْبَهُ وَمِنْهُمْ مَنْ يَنْتَذِرْ وَمَا بَدَّلُوا تَبْدِيلًا Kazakh Sahib continues by saying, The deceased had many memories with the Khulafa. In 1955, when Hazrat Muslim Maud رضي الله عنه visited Syria, he had the opportunity to be in close company of Hazrat Muslim Maud. On 3rd of May 1955, Hazrat Muslim Maud held a sitting with the Syrian Ahmadis. He further writes, During the sitting, Hazrat Muslim Maud conversed with them in Arabic, and regarding this historic gathering, Hazrat Muslim said, This gathering today is significant because approximately half a century ago, at a time when many of you present here were not even born, God Almighty vouchsafed the following revelation to the Promised Messiah. That the Abdal, i.e., the devotees of Syria and the servants of Allah from among the Arabs, are supplicating on your behalf. Addressing the Syrian Ahmadis, Hazrat Muslim Maud said, Today, with your presence in this gathering, the words of God Almighty have been fulfilled. During this journey, Nadir al Husni Sahib has some memorable photos with Hazrat Muslim Maud. His nephew, Ammar al Miski Sahib, who works in Tabshir and resides here in London, says, He had a close bond with Hazrat Chaudhry Zafrullah Khan Sahib. The deceased translated a book of Chaudhry Zafrullah Khan Sahib into Arabic. He had a strong connection with the Jamaat. He would not tolerate any inappropriate comments towards the Promised Messiah or the Khulafa. On one occasion, he went with his two brothers to offer condolences for a non-Ahmadi. A prominent Syrian scholar, Sheikh Albani, was also present there accompanied by many of his students and were all aware that Nadir al-Husni sahib and his brothers were Ahmadi. They began to discuss the points of contention between the Ahmadis and other clerics. When one of them began to use profane language about the Promised Messiah 
Nader Husni Sahib became enraged. He stood up and said, If any one of you has the courage, they should enter into a debate with me. Even though there was only three of them, whereas Sheikh Albani Sahib has, was accompanied by more than 15 people, no one from among them had the courage to enter into a debate with him. On the contrary, they began to quarrel and decided to attack the three of them. However, the other people who had come for, to offer their condolences intervened and stopped them. During his studies, he never let an opportunity to pass by where he could convey the message of the promised Messiah. Having completed his schooling, he went to the USA to study mechanical engineering. During his final year, he began to debate with a Jewish sect on matters of belief. They did not have any credible arguments. Instead, they went to the principal and told him to expel the deceased from the college. Otherwise, they will place such an allegation on him that it would be impossible for him to continue his studies. Nonetheless, on advice of the principal, the deceased changed colleges himself and left the USA for Canada. The center of his focus was the books of the Promised Messiah and the Khulafa. He recorded the Arabic books of the Promised Messiah in his voice. He was in the process of learning Urdu and would translate the Persian couplets of the Promised Messiah into Arabic. He would exhaust all his Arabic and English language abilities in translations. He was part of the team who translated the first volume of the five-volume commentary into Arabic. He wrote books in reply to the allegations against Islam by opponents. One of those books, which he derived benefit from the writings of the Promised Messiah is titled The Great Prophet, Ancient Prophecies Regarding the Advent of Muhammad He had a large personal library which contained many books on Islam and as part of his will, he declared that after his demise the library ought to be given to the Jamaat. Abdul Qadir Odeh Sahib says The deceased wrote many books about the Jamaat and then published them on his own expense. He was a very sincere individual who had great love for Khilafat. He would highlight the importance of Jandah for others. Abdul Razak Faraz Sahib, who was a missionary and teaches in Jamia, Canada, says, He was a very patient and was always grateful. During his final years, he was unable to consume food orally due to his illness. He was given food with the help of a machine directly to the stomach. Despite all this, when his condition would improve, he would travel to Jamia. When the situation in Syria deteriorated and Arabs began to migrate to Canada, he would meet them with great love and affection. He would always advise them to remain attached to the Jamaat and would tell them that the only way to save their offspring in this country is to ensure they remain attached to the Jamaat. Musleuddin Shamul Sahib, a missionary serving in Canada, writes After listening to the sermons of Hazrat Khalif al-Masih, Nadir al-Husni Sahib would print the sermon and then read it again, after which he would store it in a file. At home, he recorded the Arabic books of the Promised Messiah and the ten-volume Arabic translation of At-Tasir Kabir in his voice. Then during his journey to and from Jummah, he would listen to them or he would listen to Tilawat. The Dars quran of Hazrat Khalif al-Masih IV, that are being shown on MTA, and he would keep them with him. 
He then says, I stayed at his house on many occasions. Approximately one hour and a half or two hours prior to Fajr, I would hear him crying and lamenting in his Tahajr prayers. When he would turn on the TV, he would only watch MTA or the news. On one occasion, his MTA was not working. He immediately sent a message for it to be fixed, saying it would be difficult to survive without it. Shmuel Sahib has also written that during the prayers, he would recite the prayer, Allahumma atmim alayna ni'mat al-khilafah, that, O oh Allah, enable us to derive the utmost blessings from Khilafat. And whenever he recited this prayer, he would begin to cry. He said that he had witnessed this on many occasions. May God Almighty elevate the status of the deceased. And may he enable his wife and children to enter into the bed of the promised Messiah, salam. May God accept all his supplications that he offered about them. Alhamdulillah, 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 Alhamdulillah,